Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. At this point, we've opened the door to the world of alternative investments by discussing tangible assets like precious metals. And from there, we expanded on the store of value theme with Bitcoin. We've discussed hedge funds as a way to mitigate risk through the ability to participate in up and down markets and, with the right manager, consistently offer a positive return over time. Our last topic in this asset class is broadly known as private equity and encompasses everything from venture capital to buyout. Venture capital has to do with privately held startups going public or being sold to another more likely larger company, while buyouts occur when publicly traded companies are taken private to fix some major management or product issue away from the glare of the public eye. Today, we're going to focus primarily on the venture side of private equity, sometimes called angel or early stage investing. It all began with a few entrepreneurs getting together and pooling their resources to start a company based on some idea that they had, or a small group of investors providing the initial financing for one of their friends. One that hits close to my hometown, Brooklyn, is that of Professor Donald Othmer and his wife, Mildred, who lent $25,000 to their friend Warren Buffett to start his insurance company, a company we know today as Berkshire Hathaway. Years later, when Warren offered to repay them, they said they just preferred to keep their shares. And you know what? Years later, when the Othmers passed away with no children, having lived a modest life, they left a fortune, more than $500 million, to their favorite Brooklyn organizations like the Polytech Institute, where Don taught engineering. <laughs> now, that, that's a long-term investor, <laughs> but it's a perfect example of venture capital. It starts, as you said, with angel investing and extends to today's unicorns, these big multi-billion dollar companies like Uber and Airbnb, who waited far longer than most to go public. But before we go further, I think we should caution listeners that private equity is truly long-term in nature, that these companies can and do often fail, and that most importantly, there's nothing you can do once you've taken the plunge. Because for the most part, while it may finally be changing, there still isn't much of a secondary market for these securities, which makes it all the more important to do your homework beforehand. It's important to understand that unlike the stock market, where you can buy and sell on a daily basis, you're typically committing for 10 years or more until some event like a merger or IPO offers liquidity and the ability to sell or not. In fact, the image I like best when considering an investment like this is what it's like to walk across a two by four. If that two by four is lying on the ground and you fall off, it's no big deal. People just walk from one end to the other. 
But if you raise that board 10 stories and straddle it between two buildings, the consequence of losing your balance is much greater, isn't it? That's how people should think about venture capital. They should think long and hard before making their decision because once you're in, you're in. And as we said about Bitcoin, make sure that whatever you invest, it's an amount you can afford to lose. That said, private equity has become a core component of what's known as the endowment model, highly discussed in academic circles and based in part on the work of people like David Swenson, the CFO at Yale, who recently passed away. He wrote a book called An Unconventional Approach to Institutional Investment. It was required reading when I was in business school and more recently wrote a version for the individual investor, and I highly recommend it. The truth is that big pension funds because liquidity isn't as big a concern for them as it usually is for individuals, have benefited greatly from this exposure to this asset class and for a long period of time. History has shown that long-term illiquid investments like this often offer above-average returns, especially when it comes to early-stage investments. And it's because of these returns that startups have attracted the caliber of innovators and serial entrepreneurs they have over the years. People with track records of creating substantial value both for themselves and their investors. And because the funds that invest in them cover everything from real estate, technology, to the environment, there's a broad array to choose from. As I said, the investment is speculative and illiquid. And an individual's liquid net worth should typically be $5 million or more before they consider it so they can withstand the risk of loss. But that risk can be mitigated if, as Lori said, you invest through a fund. Funds typically invest in a pool of companies to reduce their exposure to any one company or companies in the portfolio in case any of the companies fail, which many do, usually within their first few years of operation during what they call the valley of death. That's the period between the invention of a potentially breakthrough technology and large-scale commercial production. But sometimes, when one of the companies succeeds, the gains can be enormous, like they were with Google or Netflix, and far offset the losses. So all you need is time and to make sure you choose the right fund, right? And contrary to what one might think, one of the best times to invest in these startups and in venture funds generally is often at the early or late stages of a recession when new ideas and solutions are needed to restart the economy and more marginal companies while they've already been shaken out. One last thing, especially these days, is that there's been so much money flowing into private equity that when many of these startups do go public, when the public finally has a chance to get in on the action, the stocks often soar on their very first trade of trading and the opening trades may be at or near the stock's near-term high. So be careful about chasing it. If you're not involved in the IPO yourself, once the IPO price is set by the market or market makers and what they think is fair market value, decide in advance the maximum price you're willing to pay. And if you don't get it, wait. Perhaps in another six months when the lockup is over and insiders can sell, you'll have another opportunity. Again, whether it's due to Reddit or Robinhood, to low interest rates and people looking to take on greater risk, or because the companies themselves or their bankers have created so much hype. The fact, according to VC Daily, is that venture markets explosive growth has caused valuations to soar. And in the first six months of this year alone, both traditional and non-traditional investors like companies have poured more than $116 billion into startups. 
That said, we all know that one of the greatest issues of our time is the massive inequality gap. And when it comes to wealth, and that one of the challenges facing individuals has been to find a simple venture capital on-ramp to the public markets, something that's open and available to everyone on an equal footing with big institutions, so individuals have a chance to participate. Another opportunity is for investors to participate indirectly to own one of the stocks of a publicly traded private equity or venture capital company. You may participate in their growth and earnings, but it's a topic for its own podcast. One other way to bridge that gap may be through one of the last year's hottest, newest instruments known as SPACs or special purpose acquisition companies. That's right. Like Reed, SPACs have been around a long time and people often refer to them as blank check companies. But they've recently taken on new credibility due to some of the people launching them. People like Chamath Palihapitiya, Bill Ackman, and Barry Sternlicht. Last year, more than 165 luminaries like these raised more than $82 billion, more than all previous years combined, and almost half of all the capital raised in the U.S. IPO market overall. SPACs are launched as IPOs themselves to raise money with a well-known manager who has expertise in a given industry before they've identified a target, hence the term blank check. And their argument is that by investing in a SPAC, an individual faces lower fees, has instant liquidity, and theoretically, because the manager has some sort of lockup before they could sell their own shares, their interests are more aligned with those of investors. But like all things, they too have pros and cons. You've mentioned some of the positives, while a risk that is unlike venture funds, which again invest in a pool of companies, SPACs only merge with one company in general. And until they announce who they're sponsoring, you have no visibility other than the sponsor's reputation. So it's great if it's a company that turns out to be DraftKings, but not so much if it was Lordstown Motors or Nicola. Well, I think that does it for today. Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions, please reach out to either Lori or me. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with friends and family so they can enjoy it too. And please join us next week when we'll be talking about investment strategy in general, about principles to guide you regardless of timing. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammy for the Plutonomics Podcast signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunity to reference herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and any investment opportunity referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable, and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as accuracy 
or completeness of the data, for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date reference and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth, and they do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.